Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn. I'm your host, and this is episode number 226. And today we're talking to Brandy Stanley, uh, who has her own podcast called This Plus That. And uh, we touch on, we touch on really that the, the topic of her podcast is essentially the topic of our conversation, and we dive into uh, many different aspects of it. But this plus that, uh, think of it like this. We typically think of this and we think of that. These are two separate things, right? They're not connected in any way. Uh, apples and pizza, <laughs> right? Like it's two different things, this and that. But her, her podcast explores how things that are seemingly opposite are actually interconnected in some really special and unique ways, right? Because like you think of an apple as a fruit, but then you think of pizza. Well, that seems unrelated, but pizza has tomato sauce on it, right? So pizza's healthy, everybody. Welcome to the What If Project. Pizza is healthy. Uh, no calories when you eat pizza. But no, seriously, her podcast explores things that are seemingly unrelated and talks about how they are connected in really special ways. So for instance, like you think about, uh, if you follow me on social media, you know I've been exploring tarot cards lately. And now on the surface, right, in the world I was brought up in, Christianity, uh, evangelical Christianity in particular, right, people like Greg Locke, Pastor Greg Locke, or is he in Tennessee or something like that? He had a big bonfire at his church and told people to bring all the, the devil stuff to the church and they're going to burn it. And they were throwing tarot cards in the fire because, like I was taught, tarot cards are an entry point to for the devil to come into your life and to, to wreak all sorts of havoc uh, in your world. And so you got to stay away from tarot cards because they're the entry point for the devil to come in and get a foothold. But I've been exploring how these two seemingly opposite things, Christianity and tarot cards, are actually related in really interesting and unique ways. Like when you look at tarot cards through the lens of Christianity and look at Christianity through the lens of tarot cards, there's so many things that are interrelated, it's, it's, it's incredible. Like I pull a card in the morning and there's so many parallels between the card and the Bible. It just, it just blows my mind. And in a couple of weeks on Halloween teaser, uh, we actually have Brittany Muller coming on the show who wrote a book called the contemplative tarot. Is that what it's called? Something like that. I think that's what it's called. Uh, but basically she's a Christian and she explores the meaning of the cards, uh, through the lens of the Bible. And it's, it's it's a magical book. You've got to get this book. But that episode drops in Halloween, and then we'll be doing some videos in the fall. I'll be sharing some videos on my YouTube channel uh, of some different cards that I've pulled and some different uh, things that I feel like the Lord has spoken to me. The Lord has spoken to me. <laughs> the divine, the universe, Jesus, the Christ, the Lord, whatever it is that you call God, uh, different things that God has spoken to me uh, in the midst of, of these cards. And so... Anyway, this plus that, really, really fun stuff. And, and Brandy and I, we, we hit it off really well. We have a lot of other things I think we can explore. And so we have some other potential topics uh, bubbling on the back burner <laughs> of our of our podcast here. And uh, I might go on her podcast. She'll come back on my podcast and we'll, we'll make some more stuff together. But she's doing really good stuff. So I'm going to put her links in the show notes. I'll go check it out. Also in the show notes, uh, my book, my book, uh, Rethinking Everything, uh, kind of my spiritual journey out of this world of black and white, very concrete thinking into this white world of of color that I'm in. White white world, wide world of color <laughs> that I'm in right now. Uh, kind of exploring all these different streams of thought and and wisdom, and uh, it's really really put my heart into this book. You know, I shared a lot of things in the book that I haven't shared before, and so there's a lot of fun uh, fun tidbits in there. But it's available on Amazon. I'll put the link in the show notes. Patreon, buy me a coffee, two places to go to support the show financially. So if this thing has encouraged you, inspired you, helped you at all in your faith, uh, those are two places to go to support it. Patreon is a lot of fun. I'll tell you right now, Patreon's a blast because uh, we have a Discord group. And Patreon is all about community. So whether you give $3 a month or $100 a month, everybody gets the same reward, which is to be part of this fun community of people who are traveling through the wilderness trying to find their way or making friends. So we have the Discord group. We have a Zoom chat that happens uh, once a month. We have uh, a book club that we do probably once a quarter, maybe every six months. I'm not sure yet. 
Uh, but it's just a lot of fun, a lot of different opportunities to meet people and make friends. Uh, there's no pressure. It's not like a high pressure thing. You just come, be yourself, share your questions, share your ideas, and uh, nobody's turned away. It's a lot of fun. So anyway, all the links are in the show notes. Young Citizen is our special music. Uh, he's a hip-hop artist in Charlotte, North Carolina, doing wonderful things in the world. So check him out on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, all the different places. And all that to say, my friends, that's it. Episode 226 with Brandy Stanley. Enjoy. Wish I had a mansion. Wish I was dressed up fancy. Uh, wish I on a pot on go with the rainbow by the time Clancy. Uh, wish I had no debt. Maybe then I can't flex. Go and hit a run, I'm a check. Wish I had no other same old speed, I'm a chest. Wishing for my people. Uh, wish I had more better leaders. Have enough to make our own land. Name my own picture, we bring our own sand. Where we live is so bland, so much we're high on demand. Tiptoe around throwing high lows, feel like James Brown, love we going here to dance. Let me talk, at the end of the day we know who's at a fault. We got our hands up, ready for a box. Undisputed, got the own lock. Champion, going ahead, call the ambulance. So we said our own ambience, dub TTG, train to go. Let's talk, no rambling. Hey everybody, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're sitting down with a brand new guest. Her name is Brandy Stanley, and she is a podcaster at This Plus That, uh, an all-around amazing human being doing important things in the world. So Brandy, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Thanks so much, Glenn. It's so great to be here. I'm glad to be talking with you. Thank you. So you reached out to me way back in June, and you sort of, um, we'll say, pitched yourself for coming on the podcast. Sure. And as soon as I looked at the YouTube channel... And your website, I was like, yes, like a thousand times. Yes, you have to come on. And I really love the work that you're doing and the content you're putting out in the world. So I was thinking we could just start there. Uh, in a moment, I want to ask you a bit about your story, kind of the, yeah. the deeper story of who Brandy is, but maybe tell us a little bit about, about your work. You know, who are you and, and what do you do? Yeah, I, uh, the, I mean, the feeling is mutual. I mean, I think the reason that you felt that way is probably the same reason that I pitched you, which is mm. that I think that. Um, when, when you see someone doing something that resonates with what you're up to in the world and strikes a chord, it's a pretty easy, like, oh, that would be very fun to talk to that person. So, yeah, we got to create something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, like most of us, I have sort of a long and winding road of uh, how I came to be at this point. Mm -hmm. I think if we're talking specifically about my work and not sort of my personal history, mm -hmm. um, the, the sort of more recent story is, I mean, I've had about 20 years almost of branding and marketing experience. Mm -hmm. I like to say it's sort of how I knew how to monetize my art, mm -hmm. like um, the sort of intangible thing that I had that seemed to be a gift at spotting patterns and mm -hmm. making associations and sort of coming up with a nugget that was like the core thing that spoke to a very large, like a much larger thing, yeah. which is a person or a company or whatever that is, um, sure. and how you might embody that in the world in a way yeah. that rang true with other people who you were mm. looking to ring true with, I guess. Mm. And so, um, I never really looked at marketing or branding in the way that I think a lot of modern folks think about those things. I think for me, it was always like, what is the best and clearest way to get out your message and to speak to the truth of who you are at a core level? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, to give you tools to help you do that in a way so that you can be more and more of yourself in the world. Mm -hmm. And so I did that for 20 years, but mm -hmm. nevertheless, it's still you know, in late 2019, early 2020, I was coming on three years at my last full-time job. I was a brand director um, and I had decided to leave in January, 2020. Literally, my last day was January 29th, 2020. Just before all of hell broke loose. <laughs> Just before hell broke loose, yes. And thankfully, I mean, I had been doing freelancing for a really long time in my life, sort of off and on in between all of my full-time work, because, mm -hmm. you know, as creatives do, we sort of hop in and out of doing our own thing often. And so I was pretty adept at that, but it was the first time that I had left a job and I thought, I am going to start like a full-time business, like not freelancing. Like I'm really going to think about this like a business. And I decided yeah. to start uh, basically what amounts to a marketing advice business. Yeah. And I say a lot of this in the sort of opening episode of my podcast, but mm. um, 
I thought I could make a trade-off, which was, can I do this thing that feels like a gift of mine, but not something that really speaks to my purpose? Like if I mm -hmm. died tomorrow, I just felt like this would not have actually been what I wanted to do in the yeah. world. I do not feel like I would have fulfilled what my real purpose is here. Mm -hmm. And I have absolutely no clue what that is, but this just doesn't feel like it. And I'm sure I had inklings of that, right? But like yeah. there, it, there just wasn't a lot of clarity around it. And so I thought, okay, can I leverage 20 years of experience, help other people, but do it as little as possible and make as much as possible so that I can buy back my life? Like, sure. can I buy back the other hours or more hours of my life yeah. so that I can do stuff that I actually love and mm -hmm. feel like are really truly fulfilling to me? And mm -hmm. so I spent a lot of, 2020 and even actually feel grateful for the pandemic stuff in a lot of ways in the sense that like I was actually, even though I left my full-time job of my own accord, mm -hmm. I was granted unemployment. And so mm -hmm. even though starting a business was very difficult at that time, um, it was an online business already. It was like, uh, I could do it over zoom, give advice. So like, it was sort of like the perfect model for that kind of thing. And I had the support of, um, of unemployment to do it. But I spent a lot of 2020 sort of getting that off the ground and it was a lot of like, how can I engineer this again to like work as little as possible, but to make yeah. as much as possible and also help as many people as possible so that I can do what I love in the rest mm. of my time, right? Mm. And by the end of 2020, it was like sort of ready to just be actually like, it was, it was just time to actually do the thing, like stop building it, <laughs> actually start marketing it, get it out in the world. And as yeah. soon as I started doing what I did with you, which is like pitch people to like sort of start getting my stuff out in the world, yeah. I began in like January, 2021 to have like epic panic attacks. Mm. And I was so stressed. I had a ton of insomnia. I had nights where I was only sleeping like one to five hours and just, it felt like I was dying. Mm. And the sort of cliche thing I say often is that I had this like one panic attack where I was literally like, it, it's what you would imagine in like a movie scene <laughs> where like script writers are like, okay, if she's going to have a panic attack, put her in the bathtub and make her just sob in the bathtub, you know, yeah. and that's, that's sort of what it was like. And yeah. I just had a moment where I had this like Elizabeth Gilbert thing just sort of inject into my brain that was like, mm -hmm. you don't know what next is, but this is not it. Like you can't, yeah. like yeah. whatever it is, your body is telling you that you just can't do this anymore. Yeah. And so I quit, I shut the business down and I just said, okay, I have the gift of unemployment still for a while. And so I'm just gonna like give myself a break. I'm just gonna read, I'll take walks every day, I'll do whatever. and. Um, lo and behold, I gave myself enough brain space to do that. And of course, like it sounds easy ish, but like 40 years of me doing what I do in the world sort of culminated in this moment where I was out on a walk one day in the midst of that break. And this idea of like, or I guess this like knowledge that like that gift of mine of making connections between seemingly dissimilar things mm -hmm. and like it's really a Steve Jobs quote is the description of my podcast, really. It's connecting the seemingly unconnectable is what creativity is. Yeah. And I just thought like, that's what something I've loved all the time. And I had spent like probably since 2018, at least in this sort of deep dive of the intersections between art and science. I got mm -hmm. really into the intersections of like art, science, and soul, really. Mm -hmm. Like what are these three languages we use to sort of come up with meaning in life? Yeah. And and so I had already been doing this mashing together of like art and science things. And so I just thought like, what if I just started like writing about like intersections that I see in the world mm -hmm. and um, like interviewing people, like not one person doing one thing and one person doing another thing, but one person who had done maybe very different things in their lives and saw interesting creative intersections at the middle yeah. of those things. Yeah. And so I began the journey of uh, starting the podcast and mm -hmm. got all the, you know, as you know, like audio equipment, what's it called, <laughs> designed the cover yeah. and all those things. And in September uh, 2021, I launched the podcast and I had already started writing sort of essays relatively regularly under that same name, this plus that. Yeah. And then, I mean, the sort of hopefully quick end to that long story is 
that, you know, one thing where it was just like a method of like how I loved creativity of mashing mm -hmm. weird things together also became this container for me, actually even more so, I think, of holding seemingly polar opposites in my own life, like yeah. in, in myself, like mm -hmm. what are the things in me that seem vastly different that I have a hard time holding the tension between, but um, actually all can fit into an integrated whole. Yeah. And so it became, yeah, I think, kind of spiritually leading a lot in the podcast to talk about these ideas of non-duality and sure. um, polarity in our culture and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's so good. I, I really resonate with what you talked about having that, that moment where you're feeling like you don't know what the next step is, but you know that this isn't it. And like yeah. you're made for something that's more because I, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I had this, I worked for Apple for 10 years, 11 years, mm -hmm. and I was in their retail stores and I thought I was going to be there for even longer time and blah, blah, blah. But then 2020 happened and I was working at home and not in the store anymore. And I realized sitting here at my desk all day, listening to my daughter who was two at the time, I'm like, I've missed so much of so many important things because I'm gone all the time because I worked at stores like an hour from home. And so then I quit because I couldn't get a permanent job at home. So like 2021, I quit. And then I got a job at Starbucks and it was like, 10 minutes down the road. I thought I've worked at Starbucks before. This would be easy, whatever. And I was like two shifts in and I had the panic attack that you just described. If they could write the script, I was on the bathroom floor, which is disgusting. Yeah. In Starbucks, <laughs> weeping. And I called up my wife and she's like, what's the matter? What happened? I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I just have no yeah. desire to be here. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but this is not it. And she's like, then you need yeah. to go quit, come home and we're going to figure out what we're going to do. And so I came home, we let the dust kind of settle for a couple of days. And then we talked about it. And she's like, you've been doing this podcast for so long that you need to pour more of your time into it. I'm going to get a part-time job and we're just going to make it work. And so yeah. here we are. And I don't know what the next step is sometimes, but like I said, I know that Starbucks on the bathroom floor was not it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing, right? Is like the I don't know, the journey of the unknown, right? Like most of this is like most of feeling, I think, fulfilled is stepping into that space where it's like, maybe you have one step in front of you. That's right. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> On a good yeah. day. That's a gift. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, you, I, I have all sorts of questions for you, but what I really want to do is I want to focus a little bit on your spiritual journey, because in the email, uh, you mentioned to me that you grew up in Texas, I believe, yep. um, and you worded it in a way you said that your parents... I didn't directly practice Christianity, but you lived in this culture, which I can definitely imagine uh, that demanded that you practice Christianity. So you went to this faith-based school, uh, but then you came out as as queer and that caused yeah. you to think about your, your faith and kind of what it was going to mean for you in this new context. So I'd love to know more just about that part of your story. Like what did God mean to you as a, as a kid? What was this journey of coming out like, and then how did that transform or evolve uh, how you thought about God and kind of your walk, your understanding of God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think God meant much to me as a kid. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I like the sort of more detail around that story yeah. as a child, I think was my, my mother grew up in Louisiana to stepmother. Really. I grew up with my stepmother, um, grew up in Louisiana to like deeply Catholic parents, but mm -hmm. her father, uh, was working in the mines and got sick from the mines and stopped being able to go to church at some point. And he was mm. sort of ostracized from the church for not attending, even though he was just sick. Mm. And she developed this like very bad taste in her mouth around Catholicism and mm. faith in general. And so they didn't go to church for her the rest of her life, really. And then my dad had parents who were just sort of like, I don't know. I feel like I would describe my dad's parents, my grandparents as sort of like those, the parents for my big fat Greek wedding, but his parents, <laughs> like, the, like just to me, I think they sort of, and I'm sure like I was never old enough before they passed away or before they sort of lost cognitive function to know them well enough. But like, mm. they always sort of struck me as the, like, we talked about cats. We talked about the weather. Like it just, there wasn't a lot of depth sure. and connection there between yeah. all of us. And, um, but they, from what I know, I think they went sort of regularly to some church services that were like Episcopalian mm. or Presbyterian or something, but like it wasn't, they never really talked about that. Like I never knew how faith really functioned in their lives. Mm -hmm. 
And then, so by the time I grew up as an only child, um, I have an older stepbrother that um, I didn't grow up with, but so I, um, for all intents and purposes, was an only child. And growing up alone with my parents, they weren't really practicing anything. I mean, I think when I was really pretty young, my dad would take me to like a Presbyterian church and I deeply remember just a white man in a suit being very boring for like two hours. Right. Sums it up. (laughs) Yeah, that, that was my experience. And then... You know, I was in elementary school and I had uh, friends who were Baptist and eventually like to sort of be friends of these people, you just mm-hmm. went to church because that's what they did on Sunday mornings. And yeah. so I would go to like Sunday school and I like this sort of funny story I tell is like, I just remember like being tested on things, like learning the Ten Commandments and being like, I go to school outside of this why would i opt into school right school like again <laughs> right <laughs> and you know as like childhood friendships are want to do like they were very sort of dramatic and off and on and sure so it was like sort of in and out of church but like i never like i remember by the time i hit like maybe middle of middle school i distinctly remember thinking i literally have i have no idea who jesus is i've heard mm-hmm. this name before but i have no clue who that right. is i have some concept of who god is but like seems something like sort of out there i don't really know and so i I wasn't really like imbued with like language for that really and uh my stepmother uh struggled with alcoholism and so my childhood life and teenage life was um really quite difficult and just a sort of dysfunctional household and a lot of arguing and um yeah fighting in the house and um stuff surrounding that. And so I just, by the time I hit like high school or middle of high school, I was like, just deeply hurting, Mm. like really hurting. And I met someone my sophomore year of high school Mm -hmm. who was in a class of mine and who like rode the bus home. And, um, as sort of a shy introverted kid, when I was younger, I sort of, um, marvel at this moment where on like one of the first days home of sophomore year getting on the bus and a relatively empty bus chose to sit next to this person Mm -hmm. um, instead of sitting alone in a seat and we ended up becoming somewhat friends and eventually she invited me to uh like youth group things and i started going and um i just i didn't know it was like i hadn't yet been given all the dogma Mm -hmm which was this like beautiful moment of like, I remember once walking in high school after I had started like, I'm sure several months being in youth group Mm -hmm. where I just felt like a hole I didn't know existed had been filled Mm -hmm. and I was smiling and I felt happier. And, you know, I don't think God is really just like a happy pill, but I I do feel like Mm -hmm. it, it, it it fulfilled something deep in me that I didn't even know was missing. And so without knowing the dogma, I was just like, I'm in, like Mm -hmm. something has categorically changed in my life. And I don't know what that thing is, but it seems like it has something to do with this, like God character and maybe this Jesus fellow. And so I started going to church and I got baptized and I did all those things that you do when you're, I don't know. (laughs) The whole nine yards. Yeah. (laughs) The whole nine yards, especially in the South. Yeah. And, um, I ended up going to a faith-based faith-based Christian uh, university in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if you know anything about those things, you can already piece those together. There's yep. only a couple. Already there. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, as soon as I got there, I remember thinking like, this isn't what my youth group was. Mm-hmm. And this isn't what I feel like I was told Christianity looks like. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how to name that or like articulate what exactly that was about what they practiced, but it just, it, um, something didn't work for me, but I did love mm. a lot of the people there. Mm. So I continued all four years there. And when I came home, I was what, that would have been, I don't know, 22 at the time. Mm. I started dating a guy who was a youth pastor, like it was just sort of following the very, very like Christian trajectory. Yeah. And then we went through a breakup, um, when I was around 24 and I don't know. I mean, I went to YWAM after that. Like I did a trip to like, uh, Rwanda that also changed my life. Um, but again, like did not really love the, what was being practiced there, but like had an experience that was life-changing. Sure. And again, I'm going to try to (laughs) tell this in a more brief way, but the, I eventually, 
around the time I was 27, I don't know, I'd had all these experiences, right? So like alcoholic household as a child, yeah. difficult sort of like figuring out my identity, like even just like what I was doing or who I was when I was a young adult and not, not like often this experience of not really feeling like I fit in. So like I'd mm -hmm. find a church and then I'd go like, mm, like 80% yes, but like right. something's not right. Like something is really off and yeah. I don't mind something being off, but mm -hmm. like when I start asking questions about what's off, people tend to get pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. And so this constant experience and story in my life of like finding a community, finding a church, finding friend groups, finding like identity structures, getting into those and being like, but wait, like, what about this thing that I'm seeing? Mm. And then people getting kind of uncomfortable. And so often like this sense of like not really belonging. Mm. But yes, when I was around 27, that story for me ended up being like, oh, wait a second. I think I'm actually attracted to people who I've been told are uh, sinful for me yeah. to be attracted to and yeah. um, started exploring that. And I came out to friends and people I had known from church back home and from college and had a relatively okay experience aside from a few good friends who were like, we think God doesn't like this about mm. you. And spent quite honestly, like eight to 10 years grappling with untangling what it was wow. to feel um, like the deepest part of me knew that this mystical thing that like was behind the universe was the deepest truth. Mm -hmm. um, and whether or not that was like through the means of Christianity, like I didn't really care, but like that was still um, foundationally true for me. Mm -hmm. And I was queer mm. and how, how to like reconcile those things. And eventually, you know, I think a handful of years into that was like, I don't think they actually need reconciling. I think mm. these things are one and the same to me, um, no matter what I've been told. And mm. yeah, so, um, I think I, to wrap that up, I think it was that sort of typical story somewhat of like, mm -hmm. maybe I didn't grow up in like deep Christianity with my parents, but like yeah. found it relatively early on. And then sort of had to go through this phase of like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Like mm -hmm. I didn't throw out God, like, you know, Glennon Doyle says something to Abby Wambach that's like, you didn't leave God, you left the, like the people who didn't yeah. see God in you. That's right. Sort of thing. Yep. And so like I threw that out. I never really threw God out, but like I stopped going to church or I was like sort of, I had periods of dipping my toe back into places that might feel okay to me, mm -hmm. but like was really grappling with that and really m mostly outside of it. And then finding a place of integration. But I think now I'm even coming to a place where I'm like, but what is it of Christianity that I actually want to keep? Like, maybe it's not what I can, I don't necessarily label myself Christian, but like, it's the language I know. And I think there's power in tradition and um, ritual that it is part of my tradition, my past. And I'm sure yeah. even my ancestral past, like Celtic Christianity and all these other yeah. things that I think are probably true for me also. And so what is it to like, take the things that I actually find to be true and meaningful and, um, enriching to my life and use mm -hmm. them as practices without being, ha ha without having to be like, so outside of, I don't know, like I'll call it outside of the institution, but not, still again, like not outside of God. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's sort of where I've come to now. Yeah, I think there's a there's a difference between, you know, for lack of a better word, deconstructing God or deconstructing what you've been told right. about God. And I think that's an important distinction to make because like I've been accused so often. I grew up different than you. I grew up in the very strict evangelical world. I went to private Christian school, fourth through 12th grade. Uh, church on Sunday, Sunday school, Bible college, seminary, like it was just drilled, all these things drilled into my head. I was like the poster child <laughs> for that world. Yeah. And once I started to ask questions, like you were said, your parents like pastors or anything, or you just had parents who practiced? No. Yeah. My parents, they practiced, but they weren't like, it wasn't like practiced a lot at home. Like we prayed and stuff like that, but they just wanted me to be able to go to a I was going, I was, I was causing some trouble <laughs> as a, as a young, as a youngster. And so I went to, yeah. they put me in private Christian school to try to uh, kind of hone me in a little bit. And it did. I mean, there's wonderful experiences that I had there, 
looking yeah. back on it now, I realize how toxic so much of what I was told about God is, but that's another story. But anyway, so I started to ask a lot of questions. And like you said, questions aren't always welcomed, especially in that world. And everybody's yeah. like, oh, now you're turning your back on God. I'm like, no, I'm not turning my back on God. Like God is still very important to me. Jesus is very important to me, but I just have a lot of questions about the things I've been taught about Jesus. And so I need to spend some time yeah. with these things, deconstructing those things and asking questions about those things. And so I didn't go to church for that. We haven't been to church in five years. Uh, I went through like two years of never opening my Bible, which was like apostasy to me because I, I opened my Bible <laughs> yeah. every day, multiple times a yeah. day, but I just needed to put it all away so I could start listening to that inner voice and really kind of get, I guess, a, a firmer grasp on what was going on inside. Yeah. 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 I remember, um, I think in terms of like people who have like really influenced me too, um, yeah. I'm sure we'll get to more of this later, but like Rob Bell is, has oh, traditionally yeah. been like, just, um, I, like if we we're going to call people like someone, my guru, he would be my guru. Yeah. Probably. I followed him since 2000, since Velvet Elvis, which yeah. I think was, to, or maybe even pre, I don't know. I think it was probably Velvet Elvis brought me to listening to. I got the, uh, the original white hardcover Velvet Elvis yes. right here. <laughs> <Nice. right. laughs> um, yeah, I think, I mean, the first chapter of that book, uh, is questions. Yeah. It's called questions. And I, I've always loved that story where he talks about how so many people think of faith as a brick wall where like every piece of dog, your dogma is a brick yeah. that you build. And if people yep. start to remove those bricks then the wall crumbles, but the way he sees faith and the way that I've come to really see faith is like, uh, an experience to be had. It's more like a trampoline. Like you invite other people onto it to experience it along That's with right. you. And yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's probably part of why I've always loved Rob Bell is, I mean, it's hard to not love someone who starts their work with the idea of a question that's and right. how, <laughs> how, how troubling that is to much of the institution of Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. Rob Bell changed. I mean, he helped me with so much. The, his love wins book was one of my first aha moments. I was like, oh, yeah, there are other ways to think about this thing that has troubled me <laughs> for so long in my life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it just led me down that road of you know, exploring and asking questions. Yeah. I think Rob, yeah. Rob has done a thing for most of his career, which was like give language to this thing that we had all experienced, but had no idea how to articulate. Exactly. So it was the, like reading, the original reading Love Wins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reading Love Wins was like, uh, like someone put it into words. Thank God. That's right. So one of the things that you also mentioned in your email is that, um, you you feel more connected to the spirit to god than, than ever before and that connection has brought you uh two things that you were once told by christianity are kind of off limits and so i'm really curious as to what that means because it was it was vague in the email so i'd like some some details now but what are those off limits things that you you spoke of and kind of how have those things helped you uh, have a better understanding of god now yeah, I mean, I think one of the other things I've loved about Rob is like this line that I think he said relatively early on, which was like, like this freedom of being able to name truth wherever you see it. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I think for me, when I was sort of going through that period, especially of like grappling with like disentangling what I'd been told about faith and how that affected my like sexuality and mm -hmm. all of these different things that um, that I I was doing all these things that I think a lot of folks who have like, um, especially in my experience, like of queerness, that a lot of other queers have actually done, which is like, I lost this thing that was like a grounding force in my life around mm -hmm. a practice of Christianity or faith of some kind. I don't feel welcome there. There's a lot of baggage there. And so then we sort of see these other avenues that speak to some sort of mysticism like um tarot or um mm -hmm. astrology or whatever that might be and you know i think um lots of traditional christianity would say those things are um like evil mm -hmm. or um careful because that stuff demonic. will lead you to the devil yeah, yeah they're, right. they're demonic <laughs> yeah and i think for me i just saw it's almost like personality quizzes. It's like, it's not like this is like ultimate truth. It's just mm -hmm. a tool or a lens through which to view something from a different dimension, right? Yeah. And so I think I often talk about, um, I love this line, Arrival is one of my favorite movies of all time. And mm. um, actually it's not, it's, it's actually my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> it's not one of. And there's this line where she talks about how, um, 
something can be a tool or a weapon. Yeah. Like she's, she's a translator, so she's working with language and she's going, there's a distinct difference between a tool and a weapon. Mm -hmm. And I think so often faith or really anything, I think we can make almost anything into a weapon, science, religion, right. art, whatever the case may be. And so sometimes those things can be um, really not good, like yeah. tarot or astrology or religion really of any kind, mm -hmm. um, that when they start to veer into a weapon instead of a tool, um, that they can cause a lot of harm. And so yeah. it's not that I view any of those things now as good or bad. I view them as languages with which to speak about the divine in a different way. Yeah. And so that's one thing. And I think the other thing, um, and you might be a little more, I don't know. Do you know John Philip Newell? I know you know Alexander yeah. Shia. Yeah. So John Philip Newell, I think, has also influenced me a lot around, I think, sort of digging into that Celtic Christianity and going like, oh, actually, like Christianity used to be much more in tune with nature and actually yeah. beyond that even see. And I, um, one of the people who has deeply, deeply influenced my work is uh, Andreas Weber. He was on the mm -hmm. podcast with me, but I had spent five years like really digging into his book. He has a book called Matter and Desire and Erotic Ecology. Mm. And it is really the sort of like how um, interconnected with nature we are and mm. how unseparate we are from each other. And um, I, in, in all of his work had started to really see like matter as sacred. Mm -hmm. And I think John Philip Newell has started to speak about that as well in terms of like Celtic Christianity, really seeing that like everything around us is imbued with the divine. That's right. And that was not, uh, that was not kosher to, uh, early church, <laughs> yeah. um, at least the Roman church and the British church, um, because you know, I think those are, um, I think institutions and empire are always very concerned with separation. Yeah. This thing is good and that thing is bad. This person is good. That person is bad. These people belong to us. These people don't belong to us. Like it's just yeah. a constant act of making sure that the right people are included and the right people are excluded. Yeah. And so I think um, this idea that matter is separate from the divine um, was, a very not only like spiritually like sort of um this esoteric idea that we got um disenfranchised from but i think an an, an actual like calculated move by ancient churches mm -hmm. to go like if everybody sees matter as sacred then that means that we can't exploit anything like we yeah. can't simply take from certain things we have to see everything is actually sacred which means that we are in we're no different than that yeah. And it means that we can't take advantage of it or exploit it or, um, yeah, use it to our own ends, which is a real problem for empire who wants yeah. to colonize the world and do all sorts of other things that include yeah. control. So, yeah, I think, um, I have a real relationship now with the idea that, um, yes, all matter is actually sacred. And I think we're even starting to see from a quantum physics perspective that like we are mostly energy and very yeah. little matter, you know, yeah. like, and, um, that there is real truth and connection between science and religion and this idea of like, um, us being one in the same with everything around us. And that like our energy and our thoughts can actually like create worlds sorts yeah. of things, which is a whole okay. other story. But anyway, so yeah, I think those two things, like just sort of using whatever tool or lens or language through which it felt like it gave me another lens, um, dimension through which to access the divine and yeah, seeing everything around me as sacred. Yeah. And I mean, you're, that's that whole, that story is just scratching me right where I itch because I'm, I'm in this same kind of spot right now where, you know, like if you look at the, if you look at the storyline of the church, like you, there's a, there seems to be a point where I didn't see this at the time because this wasn't the full storyline I was given in school, but there, there's a point where it's like the church or the empire or whatever is pointing everybody towards like God can be found here. You have to come to the priest. You have to come to right. the pastor, the leader. Yeah. They're going to tell you about God. It's but before that, special people. Yeah, yeah. But before that, it was very, like you said, very esoteric or it was <clears> very 
inner, there's that inner voice, like the gospel of Thomas, like mm-hmm. Jesus, there's a line in there where Jesus says, um, the kingdom of God is within you and without around you. Around you. Yeah. yeah. And then when you start to listen to that, when you start to know yourself, then you will be known. It's like, oh, so it's like Jesus is pointing us inside of ourselves to find the truth, which means that that voice I've been told my whole life to distrust because I've always been told, you know, your heart is the deceitful above all things. And that's where the evil's found. You have to listen to your teachers and your pastors and the Bible and all these different things. So I've been shutting down that voice my whole life. Now I'm in this place where I'm cutting that voice loose. I'm hearing all sorts of things. And like, I just started using tarot cards just about Mm. two months ago. And I would have never, ever imagined doing that in my whole life. <laughs> yeah, I would have been like totally off limits. Like, those I are took, the best moments. Yeah, like I took spiritual warfare classes where we were told like, you know, those things are an entry point to the to, for the devil to come into your life. And yeah. now I'm like, every morning I pull a card and I'm like, I see parallels between the card, what I've learned in the Bible, what I see in other ancient texts, whether it's Gnostic scriptures or even some like yeah. Buddhist texts. I'm like, everything is connected. And there's that idea of mysticism where everything is, yeah. is one. And like Alexander Shia always says, you know, all are one. Like everything is connected. Mm-hmm. Everything can come to the table. Everything can speak to us. I think that's just such a beautiful way to live. Yeah. Yeah. This is a nerdy and somewhat uh, controversial side note. I don't know if you're a Star Wars fan, but I always love the story of Star Wars, at least for the like... Um, I think the idea, especially I think the Ryan Johnson, like, well, I'm going to call it the Ryan Johnson texts, yeah. like the, the, <laughs> the storylines that he imbued into the Star Wars universe mm. were um, this idea that uh, the force is within you, that yeah. um, Jedis are not some sort of like special elite group of people who have access to divinity and the force, but like actually everyone has access to that, um, that you don't have to be like a Palpatine or like some sort of like Royal lineage in order (laughs) to like actually access these like higher states of being. Um, and I think it's so interesting actually to culturally look at people respond in a way that's like so offended by that because that that is empire that's literally it's called empire in the movie even like the the force of empire or the storyline of empire if you buy into it is that we are all separate that you have to have special access in order to have these um unique abilities or uh communication with the divine and ryan comes along and is like this belongs to everybody, bitches. Right, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> um, which, yeah, really upset a lot of people. But anyway. Yeah. No, that's so true. And it's, I mean, it's affected, it's affected everything for me. Like, it's really impacted the way that I view, I view Jesus. Because, like, I used to see Jesus as, like, this, he's, like, this divine being who, more or less, God sent to show me everything that I'm not. Like, you know, you these are all the reasons why you don't measure up. And this is why you need Jesus. So put your faith in him. And he will save you from yourself and he'll save you from what I'm going to do to you. You know, if you don't, if you don't accept him into your heart, all these different things. But now I see Jesus as it's like God's way of holding up a mirror to me and showing me like, this is who you are. This is who you've always been. And the idea is to wake up and to remember who you really are and live from that place. And like, that's what salvation is. And the good news is, is that everybody is that reflection in the mirror that Jesus is holding up. And it's just coming to yeah. recognize that and living our lives from that space. I don't know. It's just like, it just changes everything for me. So like I said, I still mm-hmm. believe in God. I still believe in Jesus. I just believe in it very differently than I used to. Yeah. I think there's, um, I don't remember where this comes from, but I feel like somewhere it comes from somewhere back in my like Christian, like uh, <laughs> repertoire in my brain, the sort of line that's like, there are a lot of um, men who would be gods, but not a, lot of, not a lot of God who, not a lot of gods who would be men. Yeah. And I think like, what a powerful story, um, however you take you know, Jesus to be or mean in the world that this idea that this, um, this figure was fully God and, and chose to become fully man. Like mm-hmm. what, what an epic story of non-duality, like what it is to hold both of those things fully. Yeah. Um, and I think that gives us a lot of, as humans, a lot of, uh, I think, um, comfort yep. and going like, oh, okay. <laughs> like you, you can be both like, yeah. it, like him becoming man was not some sort of like, um, mistake or, um, yeah, um, 
faulty crack in the universe. Like it, right. it was, it was part of the whole thing. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so good. All right. So last question for you, you've already mentioned Rob Bell. Um, but one of the things I love to ask people who come on the show and kind of talk about their own faith evolution is what specific authors, books, things like that have really impacted you. So Rob Bell is kind of the one for, for everybody. Uh, you mentioned John Philip Newell, but uh, yeah. who else has really made a big impact on you? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, in a long line of Rob Bell converts, you know, I think I uh, <laughs> I love a lot of his loves. So John Philip Newell, um, Alexander Shia, and I, I think more than anyone, probably Peter Rollins. Yeah, uh, I have really loved Peter Rollins. I think uh, anytime someone's like, what podcast should I listen to if I want to listen <laughs> to something spiritual? I'm like, God Part 1, God Part 2, and God Part 3 of the Robcast, and also The Last Guru. Those yeah. are like four... Mm quintessential as far as I'm concerned podcasts that have like completely shaped my life in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, I had a friend listen to those once who came back to me after listening to God part one, two, and three, who was like, I feel like Peter Rollins made it okay for me to be Christian again, which is just <laughs> a, like powerful, yeah. powerful thing. But, um, uh, I mentioned him already, but I think Andreas Weber, mm -hmm. um, though he didn't intend to affect my spirituality, had a deep effect on my spirituality. Mm. Uh, very highly recommend him. His podcast episode with me is like two hours of just pure, like poetic beauty. Mm. It's so good. And um, I think also Wendell Berry. Mm -hmm. um, Wendell Berry has had a huge impact on me. And then um, I think folks like more modern folks like Adrienne Marie Brown and uh, Robin Wall Kimmerer, who I think have brought in for me a lot of these themes of justice and equity and um, meshing together of um, what it means to be human with each other. And mm -hmm. also I think Robin Wall Kimmerer, just sort of these like connections to nature um, and uh, yeah, reconnecting to nature, I think as part of our sort of divine lineage. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think those have been some of the biggest, I think also Charles Eisenstein has had a huge mm -hmm. um, influence on me in recent years. Also this idea mm -hmm. of, living in the gift in particular, that all of the universe um, exists in the gift, which is also a Robin Wall Kimmerer thing that she speaks about more so from indigeneity, that mm. um, indigenous cultures often practice the gift, but I think that is actually the real nature of the universe. Mm. And um, How yeah. about Richard Rohr? Have you uh, read much of him? Oh, man. Yeah, I, you know, I can I'm, hear you. You have roarish vibes coming through. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I mean, I think everyone, I think this is why we probably jive, right? Where it was like, yes, we should talk to each other. Because I think yeah. the, I mean, this plus that is like another way to say non-duality, right? It's yeah. this thing and that thing. It's never yeah. just this or that. And I think Richard Rohr um, makes a practice in his work of just being in the center of non-duality. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I honestly like, I, you know, Pete Holmes, who is a Rob Bell friend, a comedian, yeah. <laughs> um, is a big love of mine also. And he's such a, he calls him Richie Rohr. And so I hear Pete talk about Rich, Richard Rohr all the time. And I know he's interviewed him, which I've listened to, but it hasn't been until like really recently that I've actually started reading and then listening to. I just listened to, what is his audio? I listened to an audio book of, um, oh shoot, I'm forgetting the name. But anyway, I listened to this audio book and it was mm. like mostly about, you know, Francis of Assisi, of course, and mm -hmm. um, yeah, his views of non-duality and all those things and mysticism and um, yeah, it was just every word was yeah. just complete fire. So yes, yeah. I'm I'm a fan of Richard Rohr for sure. So, so good. Well, hey, Brandy, we're just about out of time, but I feel like we have a lot more things we could talk about. So we're going to have to do this again. Yeah, I would schedule love that. It. Yeah, we'll have to schedule it soon because I have more. I feel like we have a whole other area to explore. <laughs> love it. Let's do it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time for me and my listeners. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's a gift to me. Thank you. And uh, real quick, where can people find you online? The best places to go to connect with you and your work? Yeah, you can find me at thisplusthat.com. And then on social media, which I am relatively rarely on, but uh, I'm at this plus that pod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and yeah, my uh, newsletter um, is something that folks can sign up for at my website, which is where I send out my essays and also just podcast announcements and everything else, of course, like everyone else in the creative world. Right. Um, and then, yeah, the podcast is just called This Plus That with Brandy Stanley. So awesome. Um, I'd love folks to listen to that. Cool. I'll put all your links in the show notes and I'll be in touch. All right. Thanks so much. Awesome. Glenn. I've been busy searching for you, yeah Trying to figure out if it's true, true 
Don't think that I've been played by a fool, yeah Just mind on why don't play by the rules I'm gonna make sure that I play my cards right Intuition gave me signs that everything is alright Contemplating on my moves, I'm in a fight Under pressure, feel the walls, I'm moving in, it's getting tight, getting tight. The shuffle getting real. real, I hope it lives on something good I'm all in for the kill, kill sometimes kill, it's getting kind of scary I'm here for the thrill, decisions on top of decisions Like I chose a pill, the bottle getting kind of empty Temptations made its presence in the air, it's kind of tempting Shortcuts after question, but it got on my attention Uh-oh, and I forgot, but did I mention Looks like I won the game, made my decision I listen I've been busy searching for you, yeah Trying to figure out if it's true, true Don't think that I've been played by a fool, yeah Just mind don't mind, don't play by the rules, no Kept it on the low, gotta let it flow Gotta let it go, yeah. On to something new, yeah. Tryna play it cool, quit with all the tools, yeah. Maybe you're my calling like I'm on flight at 28. Manifesting everything I take, it's not too late. Running to my purpose like I'm rushing to the gate. Of course, it's in my planning and it's also with my faith. At the end of the day, if we gon' find a way, it's a fact of the price that we pay. Everything shine to the gray. Nothing gon' break through the shade. Nothing gon' break through the hate. Everything all that we claim. Hit the red dot to the aim. No missing, I'm focused. No slipping, I'm growing. No talking, just showing. No stopping, keep going. Yeah, I'm just trying to break codes. Ain't nobody I owe. This the life that I chose. And I'm blessed for it. I've been busy searching for you, yeah. Trying to figure out if it's true, true. Don't think that I've been played by a fool, yeah. Just mind don't mind, don't play by the rules, no. Kept it on the low. Gotta let it flow. Gotta let it go, yeah. On to something new. Trying to play it cool. Quit with all the tools, yeah.